0: Talk. I'm Renee Young. This is General Manager Daniel Bryan. The very first edition exclusively on Tout. Thank you Tout for supporting us in this endeavor. Uh, Somebody's got to do things on your own, you know? Yep, sometimes you do. So that being said, please welcome on our very first guest, Chad Gable. Yeah, very first guest of Smacky Talk. Thank you. Um, Okay, so first things first, obviously there's been a ton in the news lately about uh, Jason Jordan, your former tag team partner,
1: and his father, So you're going to ask about it?
0: Everybody's just asking me about that.
1: Big no, news,
0: man. No one wants to know anything else. No one wants to know about me. They just want to know about Jason and his new dad, right? Yeah, listen, like it's listen, annoying. I, like, I agree. I agree. It's not about Jason Jordan. Okay. It's yeah. about me and Chad Gable. Whoa, you're not talking about your tweet because I saw your tweet. Yeah. Daniel, you're not my dad. Don't. Wait, no, so he I couldn't could be. Yeah, I, I could be. I could be. And you know what? In fact, I went and got huh. an official paternity test. Brilliant. And I haven't opened it yet. I, I wanted to wait to share this moment with You're you. You know about this? I'm just here for the moment. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I thought we could share this moment together. <gasps> I'm your father! I'm your father! Give me a hug, son! You're five years older than me. You're not my dad. I was a very virile five-year-old. Were you a virile child as well? Of course I look at me. Of course, of course he's I was. was well, my son, you son, but that doesn't that. He's my son. son. That yeah. We don't. It's a real thing. That's a thing. Look, we look alike. We both have the amateur wrestling background. You we do? Everybody says that, but that really means different things to a lot of people. Well, yeah, it does, but let's face it, it's official. You're my son. and talk's
1: got a long way to go. Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to another edition of uh, just what the internet needed more of. It's an it's a wrestling podcast. Another wrestling another podcast. One. It's called Top Marks. It's another wrestling podcast called Top Marks. In fact, uh, but we are the true top guys. This is the real top mark. Everyone right knows here. this. Uh, Justin Moore set with you once again. With me, as always, is known conspiracy theorist Bo Dallas, the janitor himself. Oh boy, <laughs> Josh Custodian. Ah. That's your gimmick, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, who just come out to the ring with like a big slop bucket. <laughs> You're calling like, me Kenny Omega. Well, really? He's just, the cleaner. He's the cleaner? He used to come
0: out with a moth. Oh, or, really? Yeah. All right. Wow. Which I'm going to take as a compliment.
1: Okay. Well, I think that has to
0: be your gimmick. Having the last name Custodio just means that I've been doomed to like a life of janitorial jokes. <laughs> and what's one more step, the actual janitor of my elementary school was a dead ringer for my grandfather.
1: Oh, like really? Like they were
0: twins. <laughs> They'd be like, oh,
1: you're not I just think it's great to, like, you know, pour the slop water on someone as you finish <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It, it's sort of, like, devious and shitty, too. Yeah. Which, let's be honest.
1: I mean, like, you could, uh, I, I don't know if we turned it into, like, a green mist sort of situation, <laughs> where you drink the slop water and then spit it into someone's I face. would do it. I would do it.
0: I'm committed <laughs> to this custodian. Like, can you imagine
1: actual dirty water? I just take a big old mouthful. Yeah. It's sort of like pew. <laughs> I might make this as like my created character two K seventeen and put you through the career mode. Yeah. Can you
0: think of someone who would make a worse pro wrestler <laughs> than me? <laughs> You're just yeah. gonna be at like the bottom. Me? No, you'd make a much better pro wrestler well, than me. I kinda anyway. mean promo, but yeah. the
1: actual wrestling Oh, you yeah, know, I guess. As Bruce Pritchard likes to say, and then the bell rang. Yeah, I guess that's... Yeah. He couldn't do nothing between the ropes. <laughs> I I can do flips and stuff, probably. Yeah, I it's think so. Like a so. somersault. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a flip. I can do a senton. Yep. I can... Yeah. I can probably do a back bump. I've <laughs> done some back bumps in my day just in acting. Have you? Yeah. I was in a play where... Uh, I played, like, a Russian soldier, and and every, (laughs) every single night, I'd get, like, thumped in the head. Yeah. And I'd just collapse to the floor, but I would collapse so hard that, like people in the audience would be genuinely concerned about my well-being and like people in the play also because sometimes i'd like convulse a little bit when i hit the floor i'm like golf ziggler i'm like overselling my very small role in this play that i was in
0: i don't want to chase this too down the rabbit hole but i could ask one follow-up question sure who the fuck casted you as a russian uh
1: i i do great accent uh, oh, okay. work you yeah know? you think i can't do it yet wrong did you say yet there oh, Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you want to hear my Russian sure. accent? Hey, I'm Russian, brother. Lay it on me, <laughs> <Brother>. uh, <laughs> uh, I love St. Petersburg there, brother. Tell me, comrade. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're a little better than it. Than it than oh, I got lots of practice. That's like the only accent that I'm good at. Oh, okay. I could probably do Australian, too. Oh, don't. Yeah, do not Oh, God. I won't. You're going to scare away our listeners, the <laughs> listeners
0: of Top Marks. Another wrestling broadcast. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming back, folks. Yeah. For those of you who may not listen before... Josh, I feel like we've gotten
1: off track here. Oh, okay. All because, right. Because, you know... Get us on track. I mean, we've we've already done about three and a half minutes or so, and I feel like... Uh, we've just kind of been bantering and having a good yeah, time during that true. time. I hate that. What we need to be doing is uh, just selling stuff. Yes! You know, we need to open every show with like 10 yep. to 12 minutes yep. of ads. I've listened to the best wrestling podcasts <laughs> out there and I know that that's how they do it. So this episode is going to be about 3 hours and 20 minutes long Okay, and we're going to talk about uh, the history of some random event. We're not yep. even going to talk about this week's show. No, I don't. We're going to pick uh, 1999 in your house pay per view to talk like about for about three hours and 15 minutes or so. Uh, but uh, yeah, I feel like the people just need us to sell them stuff okay. for like a good 12 minutes off the top before we even talk about what we're going well, to about Well, th- actually, this works out great for me because uh, I just ordered a new base
0: yesterday. Okay. So I'm selling my old base. Okay. Uh, so this episode of Top Marks brought mm-hmm. to you by a mid 2000s Epiphone Thunderbird.
1: And if you want it, yeah. Yeah, then you just reach out to the janitor over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a disaster. And, and if you also... Uh, Or you, or anyone you know or love, suffers from mesophilioma. (laughs) 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 There is money put aside specifically for victims of asbestos that you could be getting today. Uh. No, uh, that's uh, it for us. Folks. Yeah, it is Top Marks. It is a a <laughs> podcast where we break down the three big stories oh of the God. week in wrestling, which this week somehow does not include Bo Dallas being uh, confirmed as like a crazy, conspiratorial yeah. nutcase. He's a lizard man. Or uh, he believes he in lizard He believes man. in lizard men. Yeah. Which, you know what, Josh? Yeah. If he's going to take that opinion public. Go ahead. If he's going to publicize the lizard man opinion, okay. it's probably to discredit it. It's in an effort to make yeah. it look silly. It's very obvious which now. Which probably means... He himself oh my God. is a lizard man. <laughs> you went deep on this, Justin that? I believe that oh that is God. what's happening here.
0: Does that? Okay, so how does that make you feel about a wrestler, someone who's you know maybe doesn't share your beliefs? It doesn't necessarily need to be a conspiracy theorist, but someone. Let's say AJ Styles sort of came out as a flat earther, but before. he
1: didn't really. Oh, like, he like said he there's he some so questions. He said it's interesting, <laughs> and you know what? Like, oh boy, I Careful. En- I enjoy. Like flat Earth yeah. Facebook groups sure. and like memes and stuff because these people are crazy, but their craziness is fascinating. That like, isn't it's what a, AJ styles. It's a fun is. show. No, he said there's some some real questions. Like, <laughs> yeah. where's the curve? No, he's a he's. Stupid, but uh, <laughs> like that is a that is an acceptable conspiracy theory. If AJ wants to believe that, I think he's a dumb hillbilly. But sure. he probably is a dumb hillbilly, and it's cute, you know. Like believing, uh, th- like being a Sandy Hook truther, yeah. is unconscionable. That is an unacceptable position to have. Like I agree, you are human garbage if this is something that you really believe and are actively pursuing because. Uh, you know, a a bunch of parents had the most tragic thing imaginable happen to them, and they have also been uh, victims of like considerable abuse yeah. from literally insane people as a result of that. Like a woman went to jail recently for like threatening to kill the parents of of Sandy Hook victims because they're you know. Uh, crisis actors. So does it make like, you like Bo Dallas last? No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm i a guy who has been a big Bo Lever in Bo. That's true. Like, I I think he's really funny as a performer. I honestly will always remember the very first WWE show that I went to. I was a house show in Abbotsford. And he was tagging with Tyler Breeze. Yeah, I was there. And Breeze had not even been called up to the main roster. It was just like a special yeah. treat. This guy from NXT who happens to be from Penticton. Uh And the whole crowd was chanting the entire time for Bo to get tagged in, and they finally did which like got a chorus of cheers, and then he just did like a quick little victory lap around his corner of the ring, and then tagged right back out Amazing. immediately. That's so it good. was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in wrestling. Amazing. Uh, so I have a, like deep appreciation of him as a performer. I think he's been very underutilized on the main roster, particularly for like how strong he was in NXT. Yeah,
0: his Neville feud
1: was so great. Um, but no, he's just a trash person. You, know? well, you cannot believe these things and be a decent human being. Well, my problem is... With the the whole lizard people
0: thing, if they live underground, it's a flat Earth where there's there's no such thing. Yeah. yeah how does he
1: both believe yeah, that don't. the Earth is a sphere and that it has a core yeah. center? Yeah. Don't come on. Sorry that the Earth is not a sphere. Yeah. See, I, I I'm pretty smart. You know what I'm putting I, down. I, you're I'm picking, picking up it what up you're here. putting down.
0: Let's get to our three rounds yeah. this week, Justin. Yeah. Do the you know three rounds proper? Three rounds, fifteen minutes each, as always here on Top Marks. As long as a
1: WCW Television Title Match.
0: WCW Television Title Match. The three rounds this week are, even though it feels like a lifetime ago, we're going to wrap up uh, Sunday's Battleground card.
1: Yeah, which this week's SmackDown didn't really do, but we're going to do it. (laughs) We are here for you. Yeah. (laughs) In round number two, uh, but one of, you know... Both of us
0: don't like the other one, but I love Dean Ambrose. I love
1: love Seth Rollins.
0: And we're going to talk about their current storyline and this, you know, long-term storytelling that the WWE doesn't always do, but I'm a big fan of right now. It got
1: the main event thrust on Raw this week, and, uh, you know, I I think we can both... Uh, see where this might be heading towards SummerSlam. Yep. I think I know, anyways. We'll, we'll talk about it once the round yeah, begins. I have no idea. All right.
0: Uh, and uh, in round number three, uh, unfortunately, Talking Smack, which I love, as well as the Edge and Christian show, which I think you like, Yep. both got canceled this week, and we're going to do a little bit of a state of the WWE network. What would we like to be on there? What isn't working? And uh, we'll get a little bit more into that. As well, we have another thrilling episode of the People's Segment Sunday Night Tweet, and we'll get to that. But with that, let's start off with round number one. Round one. Fight! I think we established last week that uh, you've never been to war, right, Justin? That's true. But you have been watching a battleground, yes?
1: Yeah, multiple times. Yeah, how many battlegrounds have there been? Let's I don't know. Like. I ever, I only really remember the last... 3. Probably. Last year was the Shield Triple Threat, wasn't it?
0: Am I misremembering? Uh
1: that that is correct. And then the year prior to that was Seth versus Brock, which got interrupted by, by The Taker. Undertaker. Right, right, right. But then I don't know. Beyond that, beyond that no who, cares, who, yeah. who, who cares, who uh, knows? Who cares?
0: I was not a big fan of this Battleground show besides a couple high marks which we'll touch on. How about you?
1: Uh I didn't feel like it was as bad as it got made out to be, but I also did not think it was very good either.
0: Since listen, we're going to take a positive slant here. What did you like
1: about the card? Uh the opening match. Yeah, I think that has to be, you know, everybody's high watermark. You're talking about the Usos versus the New Day where the the New Day finally
0: seized the belts from these devious Usos. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a dynamite match and it sounds like you felt the same.
1: I absolutely thought it was incredible, particularly uh, well, there was a lot of stuff towards the finish that was great. Mm-hmm. But uh, Xavier trying to come off the top rope with the so flying cool. elbow right into a super kick. And that kick, like, from the camera perspective, literally came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Was incredible. I thought Xavier Woods actually was the star of the match. Okay. And I just felt really, really happy that the guy that, like... I'm just as guilty of pointing to as being, like, the weak link of this trio. Mm-hmm. He's He has essentially, for much of their run, been, like, an acting manager yep. who occasionally gets to wrestle. When but, it's time for them to lose, yeah, but, the team is him and Kofi. Exactly. Exactly. And they will often say, like, oh, it's strategy. They're going for the lighter, faster team here. Uh, when, you know, Biggie is really the star of the show, so it seems weird to leave him out. And yeah, like you said, it is literally always so he can eat the pin. Like... Every single time. Yep. And I think a lot of people have had questions about his overall ring work versus his microphone ability. And if New Day broke up, would he get a singles run? Would he just be a manager? It's a very similar conversation to the one we've had about Enzo Amore over right. the last several weeks and mm-hmm. months, honestly. Well, and I
0: think a lot of that did spurn from his uh, John Cena Open Challenge during the U.S. belt. It was probably the weakest match John had throughout that run with
1: anybody. So I think that sort of followed him as a stigma. But another thing that we've talked about, you and I, over the last like month and a half that we've been doing this show. What a month and a half it's been is that like the new day do not have like a signature match yeah you can't really point to oh this is the best match that they've ever had and like this is their signature feud and this is like when they were peaking because really their entire appeal has been their promos and themselves as characters and just the goofy stuff that they do that's the whole appeal like more so than anything that they do within the context of wrestling mm-hmm. basically totally true um but i feel like you could probably say that about the usos also
0: if it, not more so
1: and that they've been around for a very very long time were uh basically the john cena of tag teams uh just bright colorful for kids no real character depth no yep. development nothing to really latch on other than like They do uh, the Haka when they come out or whatever. Tag team by numbers.
0: You know, they had the chant, they had the big spot, the bright colors, nothing there.
1: And obviously, like, we have been big boosters of the Usos since this heel turner. I have, anyways. I think you've been on board with it. Not
0: as much as I feel like a lot of other people, but I've liked a lot of the segments. And I wonder how you feel about the segment. I think Sunday was also their best match.
1: I fully agree with that. And I think we are finally seeing two... Homegrown tag teams yeah. uh, within WWE, who have been around for quite a long time now, finally uh, like have an absolute classic mm-hmm. match. Yep. And not just for those two teams to have an excellent match, uh, both of them individually and together as well. But for Xavier Woods to basically be the MVP of the match, yeah, he stole the show. For both teams, and he got the pin. Yeah, like it made me feel so good. It was like whatever they were doing within the overall story of these two teams. Just having watched the New Day for you know the last two and a half years or however long it's been. You know, I have like an appreciation of Xavier Woods as an underdog story because yeah. he never really gets those moments. It's
0: cool. It almost felt like they were saving it, right? Yeah. But I think that led for a really cool moment. So not
1: only did he get to shine, but he also got the win and it was the best match that they've ever had. So good for them and good for him. So and, we agree. And a hot start to the show.
0: Hot start to the show. Best part of the show. Both teams best matches. And then... And then there was some... Uh, yeah.
1: And then downhill from there.
0: Let, let's let start with uh, the women's five-way. Tamina, Becky, Natalia, Charlotte, and Lana in an elimination match for number one contender.
1: Yeah. Uh, this was not good. Nah, I mean, it wasn't horrible, but it also was not very
0: good. I thought it was close to horrible. Yeah. There was a lot of pacing and timing issues with it where you're watching it and, it's, you know, they're laying people out on the outside just as a means to get back to two in the ring. It... I thought it was pretty sloppy and pretty slow. And then we eliminated,
1: like, three people in, like, 20 seconds yeah. towards the end there. Which was also bizarre. I am always happy to be right. I correctly Yeah, you did me. predict that Natty would win. I I'm given
0: th- I think I went uh, perfect on our predictions last week, I'm, by the way. I think way. you
1: did, actually. Okay.
0: Which, uh, that and the Jason Jordan thing, I'm starting to look like Mystic Custodial. Yeah. Maybe yeah. not the well, janitor. because,
1: you know... It's Titus. He's still listening. <laughs> He's taking all of your ideas to the big man. Worldwide. I, I don't have a ton to say about this match besides I didn't think it was very
0: good, but I don't know where your expectations can be when Tamina and Lana are two of your five competitors. In
1: and a match. the continued thing with them is this weird tag team. And they were yelling at each other on SmackDown this week. Yeah,
0: what the hell is that alliance? It's, yeah. I like tag teams where it's they compliment. Enzo and Cass, a great example. One's good at one thing, one's good at the other. You put them together. Tamina and Lana aren't good at anything. Yeah.
1: <laughs> why Why are they teaming and up? commentary was like, I saw them having lunch together today and I couldn't tell <laughs> if they were being forced together or not. It's like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Who would force them to de- eat I, I have no idea. Is Rusev like, pulling some strings here? He's like, black. Blackmailing Tamina to look after his wife. <laughs> yeah, but bizarre. I don't I don't like anything that's going on with that. And really like it's just weird to me that SmackDown does a great job, honestly, very commendable work, like highlighting every single aspect of its women's division. The yeah. fact that Lana has gotten so many opportunities when she sucks and even commentary is acknowledging that she like does not, it's not belong. Yeah as a wrestler with these other ladies. Uh, Like, it's just fascinating that you have... Great workers like Emma on Raw just doing fucking nothing. Or Summer Rae, who we haven't even seen in like a year. I love Summer Rae. Where is she? Where is, Summer is she Ray? doing? Where is she? I know she had a bad back injury for a little while there that honestly was career-threatening.
0: But you're telling me she couldn't be taking Lana's spot right now? Yeah. What does Lana do better than Summer N- Rae? Nothing.
1: <laughs> Literally nothing. And like, <laughs> she's healthy. She made a full recovery. Bring there was on. some concern there that she might actually retire. She was very nervous about that. Uh, I have from a source that worked on the Marine movie that she was in. Oh, okay. Uh, But that's all behind her. She should be wrestling. What is she doing? Nothing. Is she happy about that? Probably not. I'm going to say no. SmackDown could use her. SmackDown could use any of the women who are not getting a shot on Raw. Because if you're going to put every woman in your division into these matches, which they've done for the last two months in a row... yeah. You could really boost the division, especially having taken Mickey James out of it. And again, Mickey James is also doing nothing on nothing. Raw right now. You know who I wish was doing nothing? Who? Sina and Rusev. Oh.
0: Good Lord, that yeah. match
1: fucking sucks. Just a drag. Holy cow. Just so like I don't know how you can properly build a match like that. Maybe it would have to be like thirty five minutes long to really do the damage required to make picking up a flag and putting it on a holder like that much of a slog. It was like literally every time they even motioned towards the flags, never mind actually yeah. pick them up. Suddenly you're moving in slow motion to the point where like none of this selling makes any sense versus well, what you're doing when you're not holding flags. Well,
0: and not only that, Justin, and I don't mean to, I don't want to go on a big rant here cause we only got 15 minutes, yeah. but as a Canadian, mm-hmm. All of this storytelling directed towards the American flag. We're gonna the American flag. And look at all this damage it takes it puts me in a weird spot. I, I don't feel patriotic about America.
1: But you, you know why it happened. And I had this thought that like the feud totally died after July fourth. Like if they just done that on Independence Day, sure. would have been a great episode of SmackDown. Right. But the reason why it got dragged out to the pay-per-view is because uh, you know, you have a heel foreigner champion at the moment in Ginger Mahal. right? And, like, who are you going to build up to finally beat him? Possibly. Or maybe not. Uh, depending on how things right. go next week. But, uh, yeah, John Cena has been built up as Mr. Super Patriot again. Because if you're going to bring John Cena back, you can't boo him in America anyways if he's fighting for the flag. Right. And... He's just going to be fucking G.I. John Cena going to war against uh, <laughs> the, the Maharaja, the mystic Maharaja, oh, boy. Jinder Mahal. I think it'll be a great match, but the setup to it, god damn, this Rusev match was awful. And I, it does Rusev no favors either because he couldn't be colder. He wasn't even on SmackDown this week. If you want it to be a good match, Chinder and Cena...
0: You better damn well put it in a Punjabi prison, because I feel like the only person on Earth who
1: loved this week's Punjabi prison match. Or you put Nakamura in there as well and make it a three-way. That's in the Punjabi prison. That's what you do, fella. Give it to me,
0: Uh, Just. I think this is where we part ways on opinions. I loved the Punjabi prison match. I agree, it was a bit of a slow start. I think that's the general criticism online. I, I th- mean, it was everything that we said last week. Dude, it I was... criticized
1: the stupid rules of the doors. <laughs> the doors are so...
0: <laughs> I was watching...
1: Uh... And it was exactly <laughs> what I said. It's just literally a five-minute time killer in the early stages of the match. Like, <laughs> the trying to, to the go clutter. out the doors is a waste of time itself in that when all the doors were sealed, Randy just climbed the cage and then hopped to the outside cage. Yeah. That's way faster. Just do that. And a much easier move <laughs> yeah, just do than it. anything he was trying to do to get out of the original cage. I might be wrong here, but I don't
0: think someone's ever gotten out of a door in a Punjabi prison match. Oh no, I guess Jinder, yeah, Jinder did, did on this. But he didn't really. They got dragged, dragged out. out. I don't yeah. think anyone's ever like called for it to open. I'd yeah, left.
1: I mean, Kali coming back at the end there. What'd you think of that? Uh, not necessarily surprising. I feel like I had a feeling that that Jin, or that kali would like make a cameo oh, at really? some point i had no i oh, man, uh, just I, because like it's his match type and technically gender like is his cousin or something in storyline is that right yeah it was like when gender was first introduced back in the day it was like the little cousin of the great really? kali really i didn't I'm know that sure in kayfabe. um because I mean they're both Indians, so group them together, right? Right, That's, yeah. One of them, you know, barely. Yeah, one looks of them can human, walk. Much less Indian, yeah. One of them can walk. Uh,
0: I thought the the brutality in this match that commentary kept putting over. People were. I will never tire of Orton chucking the Singh brothers around. Uh, I was sitting here with a friend of ours, and the the one Singh brother takes the bub uh, off the cage, right? And I go, oh man, shit! That guy drew the short straw. That sucks. Then Orton picks up a chair and goes and and beats the shit out of the other one. I go, yeah, maybe never mind.
1: Yeah, I I also liked, and you noticed this too, Orton's little uh, like character breaking moment. (laughs) Yeah, he's starting to bleed from his arm. He looks down. He's like, I don't even remember what he said. He says something like, "Fuck, I got color. Working hard, starting to get that color. (laughs) Fuck, (laughs) what a guy."
0: (laughs) Um, I love the Punjabi prison match. You were not such a fan. It was,
1: it was fun honestly, like, it wasn't a horrible finish to the show. And, like, the fact that Kali came out and choked Randy out, it was, like, it was what I expected for Jinder to retain through shenanigans. Yeah. And if you're going to have shenanigans, those are pretty fun shenanigans. And, again, the uh, huge drop that I think uh, Gerv... Gerv, I mean, that's that was wow. his name. I don't know what their names are now. Samir and something. Samir and Sunil, I believe. Okay, I think, I, I don't know. I know of the Bollywood boys, it was Gerv. Yeah,
0: Gerv and Herp.
1: Yeah, Harv. <laughs> Harv. Harvinder I feel and awful. Gervinder. We sound so sure. horribly
0: racist. Justin, uh, in our final two minutes here. That huge some-
1: table spot was rad. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And credit to him, credit to both of them, those guys, for for two guys who basically work as valets and don't wrestle, the bumps that they take are insane. Insane! Uh, Two more matches
0: I want your quick thoughts on, okay? Uh, Maybe even three if time permits. We only got a minute and a half, so
1: uh, we will see. Uh, Sami Zayn versus Mike Kanellis. Uh, I thought their SmackDown match was a little better, honestly, from the week previous.
0: I I didn't really compare them on my mind. I didn't mind the pay-per-view one. I'm so into Sami Zayn. Yeah, uh,
1: Sami's great, uh, and him getting a win on a pay-per-view is always nice to see, honestly. I agree. Uh, Nakamura versus Baron Corbin. Just a big mess. Again, shit, that match. Again, the TV match was better. Their rematch on SmackDown was actually really good. (laughs) Nakamura's WWE run isn't that good. And much shorter and full of like more high intensity spots. Uh, the TV match was significantly better than anything that they'd done previous. It, it,
0: it was better. I still think they need to start looking at different ways to book Nakamura. People, again, you need to get him going hot right now. I feel like he needs that Styles match more than ever. And AJ Styles and Kevin Owens? AJ Styles and
1: Kevin Owens. Uh, big time, like, easily their worst match so yeah. far. The finish was just nonsensical. What happened? I have no idea. It yeah. seemed like a botch. It did or like Or, like, a botch. the ref bump amounted to nothing. Uh, and... I don't know, I heard that this was like an audible that came during the show, maybe even during the match, that the finish got changed on them. I will say that it is nice, though, because it is important that we do actually get to see AJ win the title on television, which he got to do on Tuesday.
0: Overall letter grade of Battleground? C+.
1: I give it a strong C. Yeah, your your rating's probably better there. Yeah, who knows. Um, But we will go from there into... The main event segment of Raw this week oh, in yeah. round number two. Round two. Fight. Uh, <gasps> Justin, you're I I don't think I'm
0: putting words in your mouth here. I don't think I'm overreaching you. You're a Seth Rollins guy. I, I do
1: enjoy Seth freaking Rollins. Correct. What, what is the, the peak Seth Rollins for you? Uh... <sighs> Cashing and money in the bank in the main event of WrestleMania. Yeah, so that sort of.
0: Feel, I mean, that that's the moment. But is that the Seth? Is that the iteration of Seth you like best?
1: Him swinging the belt above his head. What an image! Classic Tyler Black style at the end of that pay per view. Absolutely my favorite. Yes, super. Because cool. I like that is the moment where I jumped from being a week uh, a month to month pay per views only guy occasionally watching Raw, or at least, like, following along via podcasts or reading recaps or whatever, when Seth won, I started watching Raw every single week. So, that's, Seth is to blame for that's all this. That's my... I didn't sell out, I bought in, basically. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> that sounds about right. Uh,
0: I am not quite the believer in Seth Rollins, although much like you brought up, he has had some incredible moments. I think his in-ring, you cannot question. His
1: overall run with the title, they just made him into too much of a pussy. Like... <laughs> He, he deferred too much to Triple H because no one is allowed to be a cool heel like Triple H was. Right,
0: and th- there's a bunch that he's sort of been mishandled with. The return after the injury where they show that, they, I think it was a 24
1: special, very yeah. well done,
0: where he looks, oh, I'm coming back, I'm on an injured And he was
1: a clear fan favorite. Like I think no matter how you feel about Seth you appreciate him as a performer because clearly he is that damn good. Like, he was, when he says he blew out his knee carrying the show, that's a heel thing to say, but it's also not a lie, you know? <laughs> that's
0: true. <laughs> the, the reason I bring this up is because uh, I'm starting to warm up to this current iteration of Seth Rollins. I I have said on this podcast, and to you personally, I think him and Dean just have a chemistry that they can be your Brett and Sean your much better version of Cena and Orton, your Hogan and Macho. They're, they have something between them. Yeah,
1: we talked last week towards the end of the episode. We couldn't remember who we'd been talking about. Right. About two people for whom they are each other's best opponent. Yeah. And that is a rare thing where it's the same guy on either side. And it's definitely Seth and Dean. Yeah. We couldn't remember, other than Triple H and Foley, we couldn't remember who we'd been talking about. And it's both Seth and Dean and... And Roman and Braun. That's right. Big Papa Braun. That's my opinion anyways. You had some question marks. About yeah, that I one. still but think But we a- all agree on Seth and Dean. Yeah, Seth and you,
0: AJ is Roman's best opponent. please give uh, uh, me a break. Uh, uh, but uh, this current iteration of Seth Rollins seems to be coming at the right time for me, where he's sort of been in the middle doing not a whole lot.
1: Now's an okay time to do a call back to him and Dean. Hey, remember these guys? Because you are a big Dean Ambrose guy. So it makes sense that him trying to redeem himself in the eyes of Dean Ambrose is also him trying to redeem himself in the eyes of you as a fan. I had not put that together. You are 100% right. (laughs) (laughs) That
0: is a great point. Him apologizing to Dean as the world's livest, largest breathing Dean Ambrose fan, is him he's apologizing to me.
1: Yeah, and there is a segment of the commentariat uh, that I will not dignify by saying their names, only to say that they are extremely stupid and <laughs> host a Canadian... Radio show every Sunday night that is released on a, as a podcast. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I don't know, Jay. <laughs> Who could you be talking about? Uh, you ever see the Steiner Bros, Jay? Jesus. Um, a lot of people have said that this is stupid for them to be teasing a reunion when Roman is off doing his own thing and is not going to be involved because these two together are stupid and annoying and all of their like plays at emotion fall flat. I think that's a bunch of bullshit. 100% bullshit. Because these two guys are great performers. They play well off each other as opponents and they also play well off each other as reluctant friends yes. as well because... I think we talked about last week, last month, rather, with the whole uh, dissolution of Enzo and Cass. That you know, uh, male friendship and and like honest emotional moments in wrestling are very rare, super rare. And we got a little bit of that, and that's what I think you responded to more than anything. Uh, In that segment where Enzo said, I'm not going to let this go. I'm not letting you throw this away because clearly we mean too much to each other, even if you are going to deny that. That was my favorite part. Yeah. And, And like when they teased getting back together and I was like, what the fuck? This is a waste of like a month of build. This is like acting like you wish that none of this had ever happened before. You were super into it because it was an accurate reflection of adult male friendship. totally, And it is rare that wrestling gets that right.
0: Well, wrestling Since, doesn't do nuance or long sto- long-term storytelling all that well, and this has both of those things.
1: Absolutely. And I would say that I had an emotional reaction similarly to the one that you might have had watching Enzo and Cass when Seth just finally apologized yeah. last week. Didn't that feel huge? And said, you know, if you're still mad, I understand, but like, Take your shot right now, because mm-hmm. I deserve it. Yeah, here, here's the chair. Yeah, do it. It's, I'm sorry. It is the hardest thing to do as a grown up to be like I fucked up, mm-hmm. and this I, I never do it. Yeah, yeah. I literally refuse. No, I feel like in my adult life, and even back in my early twenties, like the longer you go without talking to someone, is say something bad happens in a friendship, and yeah. you just don't talk for maybe like. 2 days, 5 days a week. Mm-hmm. The longer it goes on, the harder it is to do something to fix it. Entirely true. Because you cannot just like come back from like 5 months and be like, "Hey, I'm still thinking about this and I'm sorry." Yeah. It get it it it's never an easy thing to do and then the longer you leave it, the harder it gets. Well, and the weirder yeah. and the more uncomfortable. Yeah, and you just let people drift out of your life instead of making the effort To pull them back in. Totally. And I saw that on Mm -hmm. screen on Monday Night Raw portrayed in a realistic way.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And it really got an emotional response out of me.
0: Well, and to to have callbacks to things that we hold so dear too, like a, a bit of nuance that I really liked in it is Dean hugged him right after the match, right? And he then goes, and then, then, then realized his mistake. He realizes his mistake. Seth puts out his fist to do the sort of put your fist in shield thing, and that snaps Dean out of it. And where you goes,
1: also saw Seth waiting for that pullback. Yep. Because he like after he got the hug, he sold it perfectly too. We're like, wait, whoa he's, like, suddenly second-guessing what's going on here and is, like, prepared for Dean to just snap out of it and walk away. Well, he's prepared to be let down. Yep, And that's powerful. And there I, is real gravitas to that. Like, it is a real thing that
0: anyone can relate to. Well, and I think it's also a nice callback to that that fatal four-way the S.H.I.E.L.D. had with Randy Orton years ago where they do the S.H.I.E.L.D. powerbomb and they put Randy through a table, and Seth, this is post the turn excitedly puts his fist in. He goes, ah, the boys are back in town. And Dean shoots him a look like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, not fucking happening. I'm too savvy for this. And he did the same thing here. When he puts the fist out, Dean puts his hand up, gives him a look, and pisses off. And I think that is tremendous consistency in Dean's character going back years ago. And it's consistency now, and I can't wait to see where it goes. And
1: we have often talked about the fact that uh they do not pay enough attention to continuity there are not no. enough moments within wrestling that reward long-term fandom in very the, in, little in the way that like comic books do yeah because, or virtually any other medium yeah exactly <laughs> uh, but like you know if you're a long-time reader of Spider-Man they'll like reference something that happened 3 years ago oh yeah And there might be, like, a little editor's note reference box up there saying, check out this issue. But if you've already read that issue, it's a reward for you for having been in for the long haul. In general, I think the
0: best TV shows and movies all do that, to reward the audience for paying attention. And
1: wrestling often tries to act like every week is your first time tuning in. They definitely do that. Which I think is to the detriment of their actual long-term audience, which is unfortunate. But, uh, you know, part of the reason why it was so satisfying... To see the Seth Roman match at Money in the Bank last year, and then Dean cash in afterwards, was that this was like the climax of two and a half years of consistent long term storytelling. Right. Maybe even longer than two and a half years at the time. If you go back to the beginning of their run, yeah. probably three. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, long in the t- well. You're probably right. Somewhere around two and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. But to and then and it's continuing, and I think. It says something about the fact that this was in the main event slot this week. Now, I know that the actual main event basically opened the show, and then we didn't see Joe, Roman, or Braun for the rest of the night after that. But the fact that these two guys have such a deep history, that you can do a segment like that, and it's completely removed from the title scene because it's above the title scene. We have an emotional investment in these characters that goes beyond... Winning a belt. I don't need a belt here at all. Exactly. And I think that speaks.
0: The best feuds don't need the belt because there's actual reason and stakes. But I think there are
1: going to be belts involved. Do you think they're going for the tag belts? I absolutely think Yeah. the SummerSlam match is going to be Sheamus and Cesaro versus Seth and Dean. Yes. Oh, really? Because they were watching in the back. It cut to them watching the match during the main event. Yeah, you're right. It did. And they had been watching multiple tag matches over the course of the night. For a while there, it seemed like they were headed to a Fatal 4-Way. But then with the Raw title being a Fatal 4-Way, it seemed like every single program on the show was going that way because the women's title also looked like it was going that way. And the tag titles also looked like it was going that way. I think what we're going to see... Bring back the Fatal 4-Way pay-per-view. I think what we're going to see is a Fatal 4-Way for the Universal title, a Triple Threat for the World title, and then one-on-ones for the women's title and one-on-ones for the tag titles. Interesting. Uh, But that one-on-one is going to be Sheamus and Cesaro versus Seth and Dean.
0: So here's my issue just off the top. If it is going to be Cesaro and Sheamus versus Seth and Dean... It's that their stories, they don't mirror each other identically, but the sort of reluctant partnership that I suspect Dean and Ambrose, or uh, Re- Dean and Seth would
1: run with, mm-hmm. is reminiscent of the recent reluctant partnership between Cesaro and Shannon. True, but there's more history, which means there's no question. Th- yeah. a deeper investment as characters, I think. And I am often, I've said it on this show before, and I talked about it with you in, in our private lives all the time, Yeah, I'm a big proponent of putting two top stars together and letting them go on a run for the tag title It hadn't occurred to me how much you must like this, because that is like, you
0: are very into yeah, that. Yeah.
1: I'm like, all I've wanted is to see Roman and Bray get a tag title run. Oh. And if I can't get that, and I'm not going to get that for a long You're time, not, no. I can settle for Seth and Dean. They're both really good. They have not a lot going on right now. I want to see them spin away from Miz, even though I've enjoyed this whole Miz yeah, thing. Yeah, too. I don't need to see a Seth versus Miz intercontinental title match or a triple threat between the three of them with Dean in there like I don't see the potential for that versus the overall investment that I have emotionally as a storyline in a soap opera of watching these two characters that I love reconnect and, and earn each other's trust again.
0: Yeah, and, and that is the interesting story here, right? Like, do they come out as friends again? Does one of them turn? But here's the million dollar question: we got to we got to go to the wrestling guru, Justin Morissette, Justin J Mo Morissette for okay. this. This yeah. is the big question. Shoot, you think they're going for the tag belts? Yes. At any point, does Roman Reigns get involved with
1: them? Uh, maybe after the fact. Oh. Like, I, okay. I think in a post SummerSlam, like we could come out of SummerSlam with Roman as the Universal Champion and Seth and Dean as the tags. Oh, and man. if they reconnect with the three of them on top, like that could be a big thing. I've long maintained that you're not going to
0: see the Shield reunite until Sanity gets called up from NXT. But that them just being powerhouses on top, US or a uh, Universal Champion, and schedule. also
1: for Seth, that's uh, or rather for Dean, I think that's like one of the only titles that he hasn't won at this point. Yeah, because uh, when the Shield had the tag belts. It was always it was Seth him. and Roman.
0: Yeah, tag makes him a Grand Slam champ. Pretty sure. No, uh, like yes, not had
1: the Universal, but like World and Universal yeah, are yeah. basically interchangeable as yeah. the same thing. Did you know he's the longest reigning U.S. champ ever? Yeah, what and he man. almost never defended. I bit. think he has like three defenses. Yeah,
0: like n- <laughs> never. Who did he drop it to? Sheamus? Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah I want to. I remember Sheamus. Roman had to cheat, like cheat, to help him beat Mark Henry. Which was, oh boy, very devious. But,
1: I mean, there is a the possibility for that. There's also a possibility that they go for the belts and fail. Yeah. And that there's another betrayal. And that it's we finally get what we've all wanted, even you as a big Dean supporter, yeah. to see the top heel run that he has in him. I, I just
0: don't know how it hasn't happened yet. Uh, he, it seems to me like a Dean Ambrose heel run is... Th- the problem is, especially when it's on SmackDown, he was one of the few baby faces they had who got cheers. Mm-hmm. They're,
1: there's no, they're in short supply though, so I can understand why they wouldn't, but
0: don't you think Dean would be much better as a heel?
1: Uh, it, it's at least something more interesting from him that I haven't seen. Listen to this. Just listen to this. Okay. Mean, mean Dean... Mean Dean, yeah, that's him as a heel. Okay. Mean Dean. I don't know. It sounds like you should be doing like the backstage interviews with a name like that. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, but <laughs> doesn't does sound that way to me. Justin, in, in closing, it's just is, it. We've joked about this before. It seems weird that the only way that they can make a heel is by doing the exact same thing that Seth did originally. Just break up the shield over <laughs> yeah, and over. Exactly. <laughs> but, what
0: if they win the tag belt and Roman comes and beats the shit out of both of <laughs> them? <laughs> and, yeah, that's fifteen.
1: You know what that means? It's time for the people's favorite segment. The people's favorite. Seg- I think it's your favorite segment. I, I'm not very good at it. Oh, you're great at no, it. No, I don't know. About yeah, I, that. Think, I think I you're get really. my weekly Noam Dar, and that's. About oh,
0: it. I don't know if he's in here this week. Oh, we'll find though out though.
1: I'm pretty sure he is. It's Sunday night tweet. <laughs> you want to explain the rules this week, just us? Sure. Like you old. scour through the accounts of every active member of the WWE rosters Twitter. Basically. Yeah. Go all over Twitter, looking for the top tweets. I do that. And then you make me guess (laughs) who wrote the tweet.
0: Basically based off nothing. Yeah. Because I'm searching for absurd, dumb tweets. And there's
1: probably close to a 100 people that it could possibly be on. Yeah. i got to pick a needle in a haystack
0: here. The only real guarantee is that Noam Dar will probably be in there.
1: Well, we'll see.
0: Let's get on here with tweet number one. (laughs) All right. Uh... So, uh, Justin, the the tweeter in question here uh, is responding to a fan. Okay. Okay. This fan takes a picture of Shinsuke Nakamura and says, "One of the most lit entrances in WWE." The tweeter in question replies, "I'd love to whoop his ass," and then sends another tweet that says, "He's got that," and he puts in
1: quotations, "Dumb face." <laughs> this I is someone love who thinks. To whoop his ass. He's got that. Dumb face. In
0: quotes, he's got a dumb face. So so who
1: thinks Shinsuke Nakamura has a dumb face? Uh, and uh, I'm assuming that they're on SmackDown. I, I
0: will tell you that they're not on SmackDown. They're not on SmackDown. <laughs> they're not
1: on SmackDown. Okay, uh, then I'm going to go with someone on the lower end of the roster. Oh, that's good. A heel. Yep. I am going to go with... Kurt Hawkins. Oh,
0: I thought you were going to be right, Justin Morrison. Curtis Axel? It is Curtis Fuck, Axel. Fuck, that was my backup choice. It was Curtis Axel. He's
1: got the dumb face. <laughs> That's
0: what I Curtis was going Curtis Axel say. has
1: the dumb... There's nothing that that guy can do with his hair to not look like an idiot. Can,
0: can you uh, pontificate on what he meant by, in quotations, dumb face? Mm,
1: I think it's very racist, so I'd rather not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> on to the next tweet, Justin. <laughs> tweet number two. People will hate you, rate you, shake you, try to break you. How strong you stand is what makes you. So uh, someone spent some hot fire.
1: I'm going to say that that was Jey Uso. That was a leftover verse from his rap battle.
0: That is a great guess, and you're on the right track with throwback to rap, but it is not Jey Uso. It is Bow Ryder. Bo Dallas. What? Do you remember when he had that rap battle with Flowrider? I do, yeah. yeah. He was awesome. He legitimately beat Flowrider. Yeah, Flo he Ryan. did. So here he is hating, raking, shaking,
1: breaking, standing. Um, Yeah, I wish I could stand with him save for that fucking interview that came out today. The- what an asshole. I
0: think his new rap is Lizard People, Lizard People. Time to wake up, sheeple. Yeah. Come on, that's good.
1: Yeah. All right. Something <laughs> that rhymes. Chook and Book with Sandy Hook. I don't know. Whoa, that sucks. Well, I'm, I'm just putting it out there that he's a piece of shit. You know? I think what
0: we, we've gained from this is he could outrap both of us. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Tweet number three. Justin, I'm sure you're aware. Um, Luke Harper every day of the week tweets whatever day it is and then says, you know what that means. So, for example, do you know this? I do know. Yeah, this. So, so this is. Uh, he means tw- he's eating pussy, I'm pretty uh, sure. Well, I'm to- <laughs> hey, I'm not I'm not drawing conclusions to your other podcast here. Uh, Luke Harper tweets, It's Wednesday. You know what that means. The tweeter in question replies with four emojis. Okay? Okay. A house and three chickens. <laughs> so Luke Harper goes, It's Wednesday. You know what that means. And t- <laughs> the tweeter in question says... That was Three
1: Chickens. Uh, I'm going to go with somebody who was under the sway of Bray Wyatt as well oh. for, for a time. Okay. Uh, Xavier Woods.
0: That's a, a good guess. Um, it isn't Xavier Woods. It is Shinsuke Nakamura. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ah, uh, I should be reading Shinsuke's tweets more. <laughs> That's, the guy seems like he's got it figured out. Does he
0: mean, like, the chickens are coming home to roost? I don't know. Is that is that potentially what he means? Who knows? Uh,
1: you ready for tweet number four? I, I was born ready. <laughs>
0: this tweet says... I think it's maybe
1: a, they're, like, eating together at KFC. or something. <laughs> who knows? That's what it means. The Georgia Gold.
0: I would I would pay a good amount of money to sit down with Luke Harper and Shinsuke Nakamura and eat some chicken. <laughs> that is the truth. Uh tweet number four is the the Should tweeter be like an
1: auction prize. <laughs> chicken with Shinsuke. <laughs> you won And Luke Harper <laughs> is also there. <laughs> <laughs> you won the
0: auction. You know what that
1: means. <laughs> tweet Ch- number four is chicken a picture House. of the the t-
0: <laughs> the tweeter in question standing in front of the White House. Okay. And all the tweet says is Twenty twenty, I'ma run a fin the whole election. I'ma run a fin the
1: whole election. Twenty twenty. Is this where Noam Dar comes into play? It is the Scottish Supernova, <laughs>
0: <laughs> letting the people know that he is gonna save America. How is that
1: even possible?
0: Well, uh, I'm not gonna. Are you gonna question Noam Dar? No. This is the guy who plays Crash Bandicoot. Does other things? Yeah,
1: yeah. But he's, like, not American, so... Well, that's... You're being racist again, Justin. True colors showing. Well, I'm just... That's the rules <laughs> of the game. I didn't make them. Well, sounds like he's gonna break
0: them. <laughs> Our final tweet this week reads as such. <laughs> I'm just gonna read this one verbatim. Sure. Rome was not built in a day. Even though I sure with my Rome was... <laughs>
1: Would you like another reading? Yeah, sorry. I, that <laughs>
0: broke my brain,
1: basically. Rome was not
0: built in a day. Even though I sure with my
1: Rome was. I sure with my Rome was. <laughs> <laughs> love this segment. <laughs> we should
0: just do a side
1: podcast where I just read tweet. I am going to go with. Ah, oh, fuck! Who's an idiot? <laughs> uh, do, do you want a hint? Sure.
0: This is someone who's also something of a uh, a frequent tweet popper up here on Sunday Night Tweet.
1: Okay. Hmm. Frequently pops up. Yeah. I don't think we've had too many repeat tweeters other than um, Noam die Yeah,
0: it's Noam, and uh she has
1: been on here a few times. Okay. Is it Nia Jax? It is not
0: Nia Jax. It is CJ Perry. Oh. Lana.
1: I should have known it was Lana Online. Lana Online. Ah, oh, fuck me. <laughs> Jeez. And that's it for Sunday Night Tweet this week, Justin. What did you think? I started so confident, and I ended by begging Lana to fuck me at the end. (laughs) Hey, that's not so different than every other Saturday. And with that,
0: we will get into round number three. Round three. Fight. Hello, Justin. Hello. Um I have uh the WWE network. Do you know this? Nine ninety nine? Yeah, I've heard of it a few it's times.
1: I it's got a popular price point, I think. Yeah, how much is that thing? Uh twelve bucks in Canada. Yeah, 12 <laughs> <otherwise>. <laughs> I think it's twelve ninety nine. Yeah. Which is what
0: I pay for it to uh eleven <laughs> ninety
1: nine technically. It is it eleven ninety nine? Twelve dollars flat.
0: I'll be honest, I don't pay for mine. Okay, neither do I. Uh, I know a
1: friend who works for TELUS. So he yes. just lets me use his login. <laughs> friend of the podcast. Yeah, you know the telco. Uh, yeah, this is...
0: Uh, but I assume it's 11 night out. I'm going to take your <laughs> word for it. The, the WWE Network... Let, let's talk about talking smack first, because that was cancelled from WWE Network, a show which I think we both think is... Uh,
1: was the best thing going.
0: It really was. Well, Besides the pay-per-view, it's probably the best thing on the network,
1: right? Uh, besides anything, probably the best show consistently in WWE when it's Daniel and Renee hosting. Yeah. That is an important caveat. I don't hate JBL on that show. I, uh, he certainly settled into it pretty quickly because yeah. the, the first couple with JBL were not good, okay. but he quickly did kind of get the vibe, I would say. Was he always better than Shane, though? Shane's my least favorite on the show. Shane is, yeah, really bad, always. And Lawler also sucks. So, oh, okay. he he is bottom like dinner. of the of the guest hosts. JBL is definitely the best, right? But overall, when it's not Daniel Bryan, it's not a great show.
0: I think we all know that Talking Smack did a lot to sort of relaunch the Miz. Helped out a, lot, a slew of other people. Baron Corbin, uh, Kevin Owens was great on the show, but but. I think it shines a bigger spotlight on some things that are missing in WWE. It was such a good platform to get those characters across. Like, if you remember the old Mankind interviews with JR, right? These were segments on Raw that were helping get the people attached to the characters. At the end of the day, characters are what get wrestling over. Wrestling, the actual in-ring action, you need it for the show. But what gets people invested are the characters. And
1: that's back in an era also when segments like that were not over-scripted. So that... You know, when you did those JR interviews with mankind, what you're getting a lot is Foley's idea of what the character is. Correct. And that more is an more than difference. Vince McMahon's idea of what the character is. And it's very important, I think, to have the platform to be able to do that kind of self discovery of what your character would do. In X Y Z situation, I was just going to say that because when you have that through improv, it can often deepen your understanding of what your character would do in actually like important moments within storyline, basically. Even though that's predetermined for you, you know what I mean. It's just like it it can deepen not just the audience's idea of who these people are, but the actual performer's idea as well by letting them basically do a character sketch and, like, background work on the fly in an entertaining uh, setting that you're also airing on... Technically television, but not really. Yeah,
0: for me, it was part of the television. I know that isn't the platform that it was on, but it was not removed from SmackDown for me at all. It was mandatory watching as part of the show for me.
1: Honestly, there's a long stretch where Talking Smack was the best show that WWE was producing. And I would look forward to it more than Raw and even more than SmackDown as well. Like, when SmackDown was the top show, which I think most people will agree that it was for at least a little while post-brand split... Yeah, I think Uh Like The draw was not actually SmackDown itself, even though I think it was still a stronger show than Raw overall. Talking Smack was the marquee player, you know? Oh, yeah. It was the Stone Cold, and everybody else, like the actual show itself was just your undercard getting you there.
0: Well, as you know, Justin, I was in Las Vegas this week uh, doing good behavior, and (laughs) I was watching SmackDown. They had it on at the casino, uh, at the bar, playing games, sitting at the bar, right? Mm-hmm they got the little video machines. And I'm watching with people, half who were wrestling fans and then some onlookers who were not. It's summertime, not a whole lot of sports on. Yeah. And Baron Corbin comes on screen. And the people who I don't watch go, who's this guy? He looks like a badass. And I start saying, "Oh well, yeah, Baron Corbin, he's he's the real deal. He's a mean dude. You know, all this sort of thing. And then he gets on the mic, and he's sort of like, but uh, 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 giving a very
1: scripted, bland promo. And he honestly has never really connected with me On SmackDown itself. But on Talking Smack... Excellent. Consistently.
0: And I started to realize, as I was describing Baron Corbin's character, none of that was coming across on the show we were watching. It was
1: everything that you would learn about him from
0: watching him on Talking Smack. A hundred percent. And that occurred to me while I was having this discussion. It made me feel worse about the cancellation, because I think guys like Baron Corbin who are more comfortable in that environment, losing that is a real loss of a tool for them to get over.
1: Yeah. And, you know, you're not going to give... A guy like Baron Corbin, the same sort of uh, considerations that you do to a guy like Brock Lesnar. Because the company knows that Brock is not necessarily comfortable on mic in the middle of the ring. So when he speaks, it's a pre-recorded sit-down segment, which is consistently great. Always good. Like, he's a great talker when you put him in a scenario that he's comfortable. Mm -hmm. uh, But I don't think Corbin is going to be afforded that. You're not going to give... Even though they clearly have grand designs for him and he is a future world champion at some point here over the next like ten months or so. A hundred percent. He's not going to be given the like important sit down segments that Brock gets. No. And it's a shame because he probably should, because he'd be better at it. Well, in that sort of isolated booking. When you remove the pressure of the crowd, He's really good oh, at playing yeah. his character. And don't like I'm not saying that he is not good at playing his character in front of an audience. But
0: he's much better on this other platform.
1: Because he can like non verbally get across what he's doing in his ring work. I honestly thought that the little like he made fun of Nakamura's hand spasm Daddy. emotions and stuff during their match on SmackDown this week. And I thought it was one of the best character moments It was that he'd ever had. Yeah. The taunt. Uh, as a performer, he was showing heel personality through his ring work, and I could see him as a character in the ring and not just as a big man wrestler going through the motions. Totally. Which is rare for him, honestly.
0: And there's other guys, too. I mean, the Miz's rebirth. You could go on and on.
1: Yeah. The, the the reason that the Intercontinental title is as important as it is right now... It's talking Smack. ...is because of Talking Smack. No doubt. Absolutely. Okay, because, so- like... As much as The Miz is a great worker, and that whole run that he had with Dolph Ziggler was fantastic. Yep. Uh, that was all born out of Talking Smack. Yeah, that was, God knows Dolph Ziggler had nothing good to do with Every him. single... Uh, Garbage guy. You know guy. I r- will dispute that he's to my dying day. Yeah, he's terrible. Uh, but that feud... like Not only is he terrible, he's never been good. That feud was powered by Miz's unscripted promos. Because, yeah, oh yeah. Because Miz... And other guys who've been on there and done really well with it, John Cena, AJ, like these are guys who go in with a firm understanding of their characters in the first place, Mm -hmm. and it gives them an opportunity to cut the kinds of promos that they always wanted to.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, that percentage gap goes for guys who are already good, too. The guys who are good on the show were great on Talking Smack, a guy like like,
1: Miz, a guy like AJ. Or currently, before it got canceled, Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens. Owens.
0: Yeah, totally. So, yeah, sad to
1: see that go. Uh, And just... Discouraging from an overall philosophy standpoint, that someone like Vince McMahon, like I think the story is behind the cancellation that Vince was like actually at TV for the first time in a while. Like he's generally not at television lately, okay, uh, and particularly not at SmackDown. But he was there to watch the the running of that show, um, and he just did not find it beneficial to the overall. Viewing uh, or, uh, you know, progress of their storytelling. Right. He felt like that's that's fucking disheartening. It was not just beneficial, it was actively detracting. Uh,
0: You want to sing a song here for a second? Because I'm going to get on my pedestal. Sure. uh, Break it down! (laughs) I feel frustrated as shit hearing that Vincent Man doesn't care about the long term storytelling. I want characters. I want talking smack. I want guys to be able to cut their promos on the show and that Vince McMahon, the owner of the fucking company, does not share this with me is bizarre and frustrating.
1: Ah, you just got fired out of a cannon. I'm fired That's up about say this. about me. Yeah. Uh, but more than that, I think it's the fact that like <laughs> part of what has always been appealing about Talking Smack as a show is that Daniel Bryan as a performer is clearly someone who does not give a single oh, fuck. It is the best part like, about he it. He is He wants to be fired, yeah, because he wants to go wrestle in Japan. Because contrary to what any doctor will tell him, he still wants to wrestle. Oh, God bless him! And he is not going to be able to do it in WWE, and is not going to be able to legally do it anywhere until his WWE contract is either canceled or expires. And that adds
0: so much. That Daniel Bryan don't give a fuck attitude is so now. It's like he has behind the
1: curtain. Yeah.
0: It's Howard Stern. It's all these things. He has
1: diplomatic immunity. Yeah. He's the only person on WWE television who can do anything they want at any given moment, including crap all over the product, which generally speaking was just Raw. Like He's not taking aim at his own show because within kayfabe, that's his show, and he's going to stick up for it. But he had no problem shitting all over Raw. That's so great. And I think that... This is a larger thing within Vince's overall philosophy, as you know. We talked about uh, that they also canceled the Edge and Christian show, yeah, which is so silly for them to do that because that show didn't cost them anything. I've never seen the show, but you tell me, it looks like it was done on a shoestring budget, and it's very funny because yeah. Edge and Christian are very funny. They are very funny, and they were able to pull in like decent guests who like not just like contemporary, current guests like Zack Ryder or whatever but like old school throwback people as well to come in and like play along with them and really like vibe with their humor. And I guarantee you that that cost them nothing to make. And part of what was so entertaining about it was that they were just taking the piss out of all of the silly angles and dumb reveals and stupid (laughs) things that have happened in wrestling over the years. But they do it in a loving way because they are fans also.
0: Am I right in saying that You wouldn't
1: remember those things if you weren't a fan. Right. And it seems to me that Vince just has no appetite for anything on the network that is going to criticize any of the product.
0: Well, and this is what I was going to say, is that it seems like in canceling those
1: two shows, while they're not identical shows, they are
0: shows that appeal to a certain kind of fan. They're sort of in-jokey, you know? Mm-hmm. They're, they're sort of in the know. They're not very kayfabe, for a lack of a better term there. It's, it's a little bit behind the curtain, hey, we're all in on this. And for them to to remove both of those sends a message to me that that isn't what they want on the network. They want the network to be a um, a continuation of what's presented on TV. Is that what you take from it?
1: But they're not doing that either because, like, I think there's a really easy way to try and present something that is like sports broadcasting, but within kayfabe. Yeah, in fact, because it's you could yeah. easily do like a wrestling-style sports center sort of deal. Oh, where, you know, you're cutting together highlights and interviews and running it like a real sports show. Or just, like, pushing, you know, fucking press conferences and stuff to the network. Well,
0: yeah. They they try that, I think, a bit with Bring It to the Table, the horrible Peter Rosenberg vehicle. That's kind of like a part of my take or yeah. whatever. But that sort of First sports take, presentation. First take, pardon the
1: interruption. Pardon my take is the, the podcast, Barstool isn't it? Podcast, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's, like... But even then, it's like Rosenberg will bring up a topic of internet scrutiny or criticism... And the show seemingly exists so that a corporate mouthpiece like JBL can be like, Yeah, but those are a bunch of Jabroni <laughs> Mark fans. And they don't know anything. And actually, nothing that we've ever done is bad. <laughs> this company is infallible. And if you don't like it, you can just turn your TV off, <laughs> you fucking Mark. That Rosenberg glad yeah. like a Pilates. You're so right. Exactly. Like... I think if you want to draw people to the network that A, there's two ways to do it. You you take this more professional approach where if you have news, if you have a story to break, like that shit should be on the network. Yeah. Treat it like you're ESPN. Yeah. And they clearly are infatuated with ESPN. You can do that yeah. yourself. So easily. Yeah, it's so simple. <laughs> like there's the actual again, the production and budget that would go into running the network like a real network, like, and still having, you know, old pay per views play at night in much the same way that like ESPN Classic does or what. Like, there is so much room for this to be a real channel that has like a real Sports Center style yeah. news show on it. Maybe not every single day, but no. And you could probably do it every day too if you were open to the fact to using it as a platform to give people. A talking smack style, like, opportunity to be in character in a. It would just recreate basically the exact fucking interviews that they do on the (laughs) actual Sports Center. You could do that yourself.
0: Well, that .com still gets exclusive content seems insane to me, but I think you're on to something. Yeah, because that
1: shit should all be on the network.
0: All of it. Every single thing. (laughs) All
1: of it. That's the show. That's Sports Center.
0: For for me, I I don't know about something. Oh boy, short time. I don't know about something as um, exact takeoff as Sports Center, but some sort of center content that you're building the rest of the network off of
1: seems needed to me. And you have to be honest and accept the fact that the people that are paying you every single month and have criticisms are still fans. They criticize because they care. <laughs>
0: perfect timing.
1: They there criticize should, because they care, and there should be a platform for that. It's a good. It's like a bumper sticker. Yeah, but like you know, what are we doing here every week? We're I talking, have no idea. We're talking <laughs> shit about dumb stuff and praising what we like. Yeah, but like talking shit about it doesn't mean that we don't like it. No, it just means that like we don't have anything better to do with our yeah, time. Yeah, we're still gonna come back every Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. Acknowledging your faults is not admitting defeat. Yeah. No. I agree. Sorry to go over time. But, like... No, this... But, I don't think that was over. No. That was like
0: a separate. Yeah.
1: That was round four. Exactly. Here, I'll do now, if sound. you or your family suffer from misophilia. <laughs> <laughs> or if you need a new base. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or if you just need legal aid. Oh, my goodness. Talk to Titus O'Neil. <laughs> at Titus O'Neil WWE on Twitter. Oh, man, he still won't acknowledge us. <laughs> God bless. Uh, now, we didn't really get any questions this week, Josh. We got a couple. We got two, which I think, uh, one, two I think we
0: answer. Okay, fine. Um, so as as you know, Justin, and I don't know if anybody else knows, I went on vacation this week, so uh, we didn't record our news- normal Tuesday time slot, so we only asked for questions about 40 minutes before we started recording on this Friday evening, uh, 6.22 in the one true time zone. Uh, Hell yeah, player. Hell well, yeah. I
1: thought it was important for us to see the Fallout episode of SmackDown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you were right about that. But, but, I don't that... know if I was, though, because it didn't really seem like anything <laughs> was acknowledged on that show. It's like the pay-per-view barely even happened.
0: Okay, so he- here's what happened. We only got two questions in because we only got half an hour, but I say we're going to answer them. And then in lieu of our normal fourth, fifth question, we're just both going to recommend a match. Sure. So try and try and think of something as we go through the questions. Something, something good. Uh or you can recommend something bad, maybe I might do that. Yeah, Who knows? Yeah, sure. Uh but, but let's let's get over to the uh to the first question. And this one comes to us from uh the Matty Mac, the good husband on Twitter. Hello, thanks for your question. Uh Justin, the the question reads, What is the finisher
1: that is least believable as far as incapacitating the opponent? Oh. Boy, there's a lot of answers here. Yeah, as a finisher. Uh, I know you don't like the zigzag, but you kind of hate everything about Dolph Ziggler. I, I don't
0: hate. The zigzag isn't the right answer. I don't like Dolph Ziggler's moveset in terms of seeming of, like, like it would actually hurt somebody outside of a super kick. But mm. the zigzag isn't there. The rear
1: view is the first thing that came to my mind where Naomi hits someone with their butt. Yeah, but I even feel like she's kind of phased that out as her. It's finisher. only a signature now, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, she tends to do that big top rope, little springboard moonsault I like thing, that thing, which is actually like super rad. Super rad. Uh, even though if you play the video game, that's her signature. And speaking of the video game, Go actually, ahead. you and I talked last week about Jason Jordan being Kurt Angle's son. Yeah. Did that mean he was going to start taking Kurt Angle's moveset? set? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I found out from the video game, not that I'd ever seen him do it in an actual match, that Jason Jordan's finisher already was the Angle Slam. For real? Yeah. Whoa! In 2K17 it is, anyway. That's not
0: his finisher now as we saw on TV, but
1: that's like an interesting video
0: game tease.
1: Yeah. I, Holy I, cow. I was very surprised by that's that. That's super cool. Um, What is the worst finisher in terms of not seeming like it does any damage? I know Bret Hart has criticized the pedigree. Yeah. Uh, but I think actually, like, I mean, technically you're supposed to accept that the guy's head is hitting the mat first. That's right. Even though it's obviously Triple H's knees. Right. Um, so I actually, like, growing up, I, I always loved the pedigree. Really? Yeah. Okay. I thought it was a very... Like, especially in, like, the kind of clunky block person N64 video games. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, the perfect finisher. <laughs> that makes sense. Actually. Um, just to see him, like, hook the arms, there was something really cool about sure. that. Sure. Um, but the people's elbow has to be in the yeah, discussion. Yeah, I think the people's elbow is definitely the choice because, yeah, it's it, there's just something so magnetic and compelling about The Rock as a performer that you forget that other than the rock bottom his moveset It's just so <laughs> stupid and terrible. <laughs> hey, what
0: about Scotty Twohotties' The Worm?
1: Mm, is that a finisher or signature? I think that is a finisher actually. That's a good that's question. just a chop. That's a falling chop. Yeah. I, boy, and, which is probably weaker than an elbow. Maybe anything where people dance before. <laughs> yeah, ends. probably like the five knuckle shuffle. But even Cena had the good sense to not use that as a finisher. Yeah. I, I'm an, I'll go with the people's
0: elbow for my
1: answer here. I'll go with the worm because I think a chop is weaker than an elbow drop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's literally just like slapping the guy's chest. Like a Ric Flair woo chop. Like a real. Is more damaging than the worm. That's... It's ridiculous that anyone is pinned after the worm. <laughs> it is kind of ridiculous <laughs> that anyone has ever pinned after. The worm. Uh, so yeah, that's my answer there. Okay. And this question comes to us from voice to Last at Michael J. Foist. Hello, Michael. Our weekly question asker again. He's the best. Who says? My question this week is. He even knows that yeah. he's a, he's here every week. He is. He's the man with the plan. If you could have two wrestlers switch gimmicks to help each of their careers who would they be? Oh, my God. And I didn't have an answer for this when I read it earlier, but as I read it out loud just now, I found my answer. As always, my instinct was just... I lost my smile, but I found my answer. Oh, okay. Why don't you go ahead, That uh, has to... nothing to do with HBK. I don't oh. know I worked that in there. Like, it was some sort of tease. I was... I, I was... just thought of lost and found. <laughs> 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 what do you lose in wrestling other than your smile? <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, I can still give my answer unless you have something. Oh, to why don't you go ahead? Right now. Okay, well, we have talked about, uh, you know, the the miscasting of Nia Jax as, oh. a, as a mean monster heel. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of something that would more accurately reflect her real personality, that she would be better at performing. Yeah. And and a gimmick that the actual performer who has that gimmick is seemingly really bad at Okay, performing. I think this is the exact thing he's looking for and, with this question. and taking her taking Nia's like tough girl attitude and like, you know, not being like most girls. Yeah, that's what I gather. Uh, would would actually like really work I think to strengthen this person even though it's to the contrary of everything that they've Done to this point. Okay. I think you, maybe you know who I'm going to say. I actually here. don't. I Already. don't. Already. Oh, all right. Well, uh, I'm going to do a Freaky Friday gimmick swap. Okay. With Nia Jax. Yes. And Bailey. Interesting. And make Nia. This nice. The nice friend of the children. Huh. And make Bailey a mean fucking bruiser. See, I don't hate that. Ba- Bailey would probably suck, but she's already sucked. Yeah. So, like, the worst thing that Bailey has done is be so stupid that she can't use weapons. Yeah, that's... Because it goes against her character. Yeah. So let's swing all the way to the other side of that and have her be crazy. Like, go yeah. extreme. Make Bailey fucking hardcore as all hell. That's... She is the Sandman of women. She's okay, the Sandwoman. I know that's crazy. not technically Nia's no gimmick. No one's... But, like, you know, you can't, with her body type, I don't think it's realistic for Bailey to be a destroyer unless she's using weapons.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, I like that answer. I think that's a good answer. I Um, think
1: it makes Bailey infinitely more interesting, and it's an actual use of Naya that she could get over with. And I think, uh, you know, we've talked before about just the overall appeal of her as, like, a body positivity babyface. That's,
0: I, I think it's a good answer. I, I, uh, I don't think it's as good as my answer, which just came to me. Sure, sure. Uh, which, uh, I, I'm talking about a man here who I think we both agree has a lot of potential, okay. but is missing some personality. Okay. I'm talking about Cesaro. Okay. Okay. So Cesaro, we, we agree, tremendous in-ring. Yeah. Yes. Top three in the company, maybe. Like, this guy can, can, can do no wrong in-ring. Mm-hmm. But for myself, lacking some charisma, lacking some personality. You know who is all personality and zero in
1: ring? Uh, Mister Worldwide,
0: Titus Worldwide. I am switching Cesaro and Titus O'Neil,
1: and he's already got like the logo is, and stuff to match. This is exactly what he has this, yeah, the world the globe. on his shirt. Has always been part of his, like, branding, and so not worldwide. Only that,
0: not only that, he has been pitched forever as this international guy. Yeah. And now... He's Mr. Worldwide. Cesaro Worldwide. He can talk. He can do the in-ring. He's got his guys around him. And Titus is left as this vacant shell who is good at nothing. And
1: <laughs> Titus is just the bar.
0: <laughs> Titus Titus sucks at that and point. Titus is the bar. I decided to sacrifice one person to make a super performer. Oh, uh,
1: okay, okay.
0: So what do you think of... So C- Titus is just an
1: empty husk. <laughs>
0: so Titus is literally never on he, television he, again. He,
1: Cesaro drains some of his power and he just falls dead to the ground. Listen,
0: if... Uh, I'm pretty sure Titus O'Neil reported us to Twitter. Okay, because you saw this, our our account got disabled. What?
1: I didn't see that. Yeah, you did. I texted you this. I did, actually. We had to use your phone number to get it reinstated. That's true. Because I think we hassle him so much. It's not even us. It's Michael Foist, honestly. (laughs) Well, it's also
0: Michael Foist, which we appreciate. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But he refuses to acknowledge us.
1: And so I'm going to say I'm starting to turn on Titus a little bit. And you know what? He tried to shut us down because he doesn't want the truth coming out as to where he gets all his brilliant ideas. I I don't
0: blame him if I'm being honest. Yeah. (laughs) So that's it for questions this week. Thank you both for sending them in on such short notice. Uh, we'll be back next week at our normal time. And, and thank
1: you uh, to uh, the boom that we saw in audience numbers. What this the hell week. happened there? I don't know, but we're suddenly much more popular than I suspected. You know
0: what's interesting is that we asked people at the end of the last episode to tell people and yeah. to rate. And it happened. And people like must have I actually assume. done that cuz like yeah. our numbers doubled. So if you did that from the, I genuinely mean this. Thank you so much. It means so much to us to uh to have that happen so yeah, thank you yeah we just very did much. the top guy forearm we clink just here. yeah you couldn't see it. trust me it's much cooler than you're picturing right now <laughs> it was really cool in person uh
1: but again before we wrap up here we're gonna recommend some matches yes that's right yeah, uh, yeah but yeah. before we do that we're also gonna recommend that you rate and review the show on itunes i don't that think you, that stuff works and that you tell people uh that you like the show and that yeah. they might like it too because look there's a lot of wrestling podcasts out there i know it josh knows it, i know it you know it too they're mostly all trash. They're not though. as good as ours. That's no, just true. Exactly. It's just like you know. It's it's an objective fact yeah. that the top guys do the best podcast. It's a hundred percent
0: true. And and I'm gonna go a step further than you here, Justin. I'm begging you, if you're hearing my voice right now to please tell your friends to go leave a review on uh, your podcast app. It couldn't be easier like I explained last I week. I just
1: think we should be insanely popular and it's wild to me that we're not. Well, I feel like we're well on our way. Yeah, we're, we're, we're getting there. Justin, what
0: match are you recommending to the good people out there? Too?
1: I am recommending... I thought this was actually from the Go Home Raw for uh, one of the matches. In fact, the match that oh in the past God. I've said is my favorite you match love of all time. Match. You but, love this match. You love this match. But it is actually not the Go Home Raw. It's the oh. week before Okay, the go-home show. And you can find it online, whether you have the network or not, if you just type in the participants involved, it will come up as a daily motion video. I'm actually surprised at how short this segment is overall because it feels much longer in my memory. It's 18 minutes and 40 seconds, and that includes some backstage segments as well. But it is the main event of the Monday Night Raw from January 10th, 2000. 2000. So this is from the build up to the Royal Rumble, of course, the classic street fight, McFoley uh, as Cactus Jack versus Triple H. That is not what this match is, but this this is technically a- it breaks down into it. This is from the Raw where Mick Foley was reinstated because The Rock came out with the support of the entire locker room before the show to demand that Foley come back or everyone was going to walk off the job. Honestly I've been listening a lot to the Keep It 2000 podcast okay, where they go yeah. through every single Monday Night Nitro from the entire year of 2000. Those poor people. And as they have been doing this, I on my own time not for the purposes of a podcast but just because I'm a shit-eating wild man who loves professional wrestling, <laughs> has been watching every single piece of WWE programming from the year 2000. Yeah, I know not just Raw this. but Smackdown and pay-per-views also. I know this and uh, it's quite the endeavor. You it's, are a shit It's very wild, much man. a project. I honestly should make a podcast out of it if I'm doing it. I would have to restart though. I'm it in, could go on this feed. I'm like in April at this point, but I, I could go back and watch it because I've honestly enjoyed almost all of it. Wait, who would co-host with you? Um, you'd know. have to bring in me. I think I, I know this guy who's he's like a janitor. <laughs> <laughs> he pushes around this mop God. bucket. This guy sounds shitty. <laughs> you should bring in me. Um, this guy sounds fucking awful. <laughs> well, this is the second raw that I watched as part of this personal project. And it's from January 10th, 2000. The main event of which is a four-on-four, eight-man tag match uh, that had The Rock and Mankind teaming up with the APA to take on DX. And this is after DX has had multiple matches over the course of the night, sowing seeds of... Descent. Oh, and okay, that, and that. Uh, yeah, this is right around. You know, Triple H and Stephanie are running the show at this point. We're into the uh, McMahon-Helmsley regime yeah, era, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they've booked all of these matches that The Rock demanded off the top of the show. And everyone in DX is extremely resentful of this because fuck you, you just gave them everything that they wanted, and it's at the punishment of us, uh, which included. An X-Pac versus Triple H one-on-one match. Really? Because the week prior, I believe, Hunter had said something like, you're just as good as anyone, blah, blah, blah. And The Rock was like, well, we're going to put that to the test, and you're going to take them on -on one-on-one. And, of course... He demolished him, and yeah, x okay. was really mad about that. Oh, was he? And the and the New Age Outlaws also had some unfair... Oh, they had to fight each other. They also took on each other. Oh, okay. Uh, so Who won that? I can't remember, but Probably I think Billy, Billy Gunn. Gunn. Yeah. Uh, regardless, it seemed like it was just going to be Triple H versus these four guys. Yeah. Night. Now, DX does wind up coming out, but then they disappear quickly because it is an eight-man tag, but it quickly becomes a one-on-one match as The Rock and the APA... And uh, every non-Triple H member of DX, like, brawls into the back, leaving us with cool. a 12-minute or so uh, match that's just Foley and Triple H. And it's excellent. Like, yeah, th- it, it is. really is. It is vicious. There's, like, a, a moment where Triple H just, like, rocks him with the ring bell, and it hits him so hard that the leather of his mask splits his forehead wide open. They have to do uh, a pedigree onto the announce table, I think twice, because Ugh. it doesn't break the first time, and both times it looks fucking brutal. Foley is just, like, bleeding everywhere. You don't say. <laughs> and he takes the mask off, and even though he doesn't technically say that Cactus Jack is back until the following week, it's this match that is basically the return Of Cactus Jack. And it's just an excellent match. Even, like, every single match that Foley and Triple H H had on this run were amazing. Even in the IC
0: title run. Yes.
1: Uh, But, like, I think this is one that gets really overlooked because it's not a pay-per-view main event. And it's also not really a one-on-one match, technically. But, yes. The Rock, Mankind, and the APA versus D-Generation X from Monday Night Raw on January 10th, 2000. Check it out. I love that recommendation. Um,
0: you probably, when I say Scott Steiner,
1: what comes to mind? Um, you know, Big Papa Pump, Steiner Math. Yeah, he's His tag team combination offense. This guy, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: So, Scott Steiner, while I love that Scott Steiner, the prime WCW, the most steroided human to ever walk the earth, I I unironically really like Scott Steiner from that period. I feel like he's maybe the most dependably sports entertainer ever. He is so entertaining during that. Everything he says is insane. He's a good example of people who, you don't need to script people because he messes up all the time. He forgets words. He uses the wrong word. He mispronounces shit and it doesn't matter because he's speaking from the heart and it's super duper from his soul. That's not the Scott Steiner I'm recommending today, You're though.
1: recommending Tag Team Scott Steiner.
0: Who is a completely different person than the Scott Steiner I just brought up. This Scott Steiner is one of the better technical tag team wrestlers on the planet just at the time. It's surprising,
1: considering he's insane. often regarded as just a bod, but you know, not, not well, a great Well, and this is worker. the thing.
0: He's really a tale of two people. He really, really is. When you watch the match that I recommend, if you do, he doesn't look. Look at the Scott Steiner that you remember. He looks like a guy in a wrestling helmet.
1: Yeah, no, they very much look like American Alpha. Yeah. Right down to being like amateur wrestlers, basically. Yeah. So last summer I was sitting around my house, as I
0: am wont to do, with uh, your enemy and my dear friend Xavier Galaxy, Fuck and uh, he he loves him some old WCW, of course, because it's
1: trash just like him. <laughs>
0: so we threw on
1: Halloween Havoc 1990. Am I the heel in this? <laughs> I don't know. Cause I feel like I'm pretty mean too. <laughs> ah, it's just good that everybody yeah. agrees. I think on. I want him to be my friend, and he refuses. That's why I'm spurned. Oh, is that today? what's happening? Yeah, here?
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, no, I feel bad. Yeah. We gotta get, we gotta have him on the show, and we can squash this. Uh, maybe, yeah.
1: <laughs> I know this other guy named Xavier too. We could have him on. The, oh, the oh, uh, Yeah, De Yeah, I, yeah. That, who cares about that guy? <laughs> uh,
0: so the match I'm recommending is from Halloween Havoc 1990, and while this pay per view is mostly a miss, both Xavier and I were blown away at the over like. This match is so far ahead of its time So amazing And there's only two people in it who can wrestle I'm talking about from 1990's Halloween Havoc The Steiner Bros Versus the Nasty Boys
1: so oh, do, you, wow. do you
0: do you remember much about the Nasty Boys? I know that
1: they're just super fat guys. <laughs> they're not even they're not that fat. Uh, are you they're sure? They're just like shitty. I'm pretty sure they're, the, they're like the guys, like the <laughs> twins who ride motorcycles. You know what I'm talking about? Those huge fat guys on motorcycles? <laughs> so that's sort of what they're Isn't brought that into. the Nasty Boys?
0: Well, when they were brought into TNA as Hulk Hogan's buddies, okay. those are those Nasty Boys. The Nasty Boys here are just sort of these um these toughs. Okay? Their reputation yeah. backstage was such that they couldn't really wrestle, and so you're going out there to have something of a fight. they would like bar brawl. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. They were real, genuine tough guys, the Nasty Boys, and they were really good friends of Hulk Hogan's at the time. This match is a, a clean 20 minutes that flies by. I mean, some of the... First of all, it's brutal. Scott Steiner, or rather, Rick Steiner legitimately decides at some point that he's tired of these guys stiffing him. It just starts beating the shit out of them. It's it's well worth your time. It's 20 minutes of tremendous tag team wrestling. I couldn't recommend it enough. If you want to watch the whole pay-per-view to make it stand out is the only good thing on it, you're more than welcome to. But uh the Sider Bros with the Nasty Boys from Halloween Havoc 1990. And
1: if you don't have it and you need to track down these matches yourself... We'll just post them on our Twitter feed this week. Yeah,
0: there's, but bo- they're both on Daily Motion, so uh, yeah. yeah, we'll throw them up on the Twitter feed this week, and uh, yeah, you can go enjoy it like we did.
1: Absolutely, and uh, I think with that, that'll probably do it.
0: Yeah, I. If I had one complaint with your match, I didn't. I, I don't mean to shit on your choice, but okay. I thought it was
1: a little hot. Well, too hot? Maybe even bordering on spicy. Oh, maybe not hot enough. Oh, it didn't taste great. Well, yeah, that's because it wasn't... curry Man!
0: <laughs> Titus Worldwide!